Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. you're doing well this morning. For those of you who are new around here, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. And what we're doing is we're looking at that aspect of our life that takes place outside of here, whether it's school, it could be in the home, but for most of us, it's probably in the workplace. And so I want to do something a little different uh, than we normally do to get us warmed up for this. I want you to go ahead and think about when you were eight, nine, ten years old and what you wanted to be when you uh, grew up. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them what you wanted to be when you grew up. Come on, go ahead. And and now, now turn to the other person next to you who you didn't pick and tell them what you wanted to be. How many of you, uh, how many of you said that you wanted to be a cubicle worker? How many of you would say, I'm essentially a cubicle worker? Yeah, a lot of us. You know, oftentimes what our plans are and what reality is, there can be a disconnect. But I firmly believe this. Uh, Maybe it's not a childhood dream. Maybe it's a God-given dream, a dream that you have right now. And it's never too late to become who you wanted to be. And that's what we're looking at today as we're looking at fit and purpose as it comes to work. So here's what I want to do is I want us to look at our theme verse, uh, Romans 12.1. Uh, if you have your uh, program, you can take that, uh, your outline out of your program. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. This is where we take our life and we say, God, I want to be a good steward of the life that you've given me. You think about your work, and there's been a lot of research done on it, that we spend approximately 40% of our waking hours at work. That's a lot of time, isn't it? And about 30% of us love what we do. 70% of us are not so sure about that. And there's always going to be you know, parts of our job that we don't like. And that's just called having a job. But if you're saying, hey, about 100% of what I'm doing doesn't fit who I am, then it might be time for you to reconsider. The reason I did this message in particular is because I've talked to so many of my friends who are in a time of transition. I've talked to friends who are just uh, heading into retirement, Uh, friends who are just, you know, uh, younger folks who just work in their first job, they're ready for a change. People I know who've been laid off, people I know who God has blessed them uh, in their job and career financially, and they're moving, they want to move from just success to more significance. Almost all of us are going to be in a time of transition at some point, and the way the economy works today, probably multiple transitions even within the same company. And so what I want to do is consider why is it so important that we live more aligned to our fit 
in our purpose. What does that do? There's three benefits. The first thing is it reduces stress. It reduces a lot of stress to live more according to your purpose. When you say, hey, I'm doing the thing uh, that I'm called to do. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you feel more like a fish out of water? And it just is not you. This happened to me recently. I uh, have the opportunity to coach a group of pastors. And so I, I took them. We went down to California to a conference there. And it was my birthday. And so a few of them decided to take me out uh, to lunch in the middle. We skipped part of the conference, and we didn't have a car with us. Uh, so they took me out uh, to, they found a restaurant. I sort of like uh, southern uh, food, soul food, barbecue, that kind of place. So we went, we found a, a great little soul food restaurant, and uh, we were going to take an Uber there. Well, one of the people with me was uh, Pastor Rusty. I don't know if you remember him. He was on our staff, a senior associate here for a number of years. Now he leads a, a really rapidly growing church uh, about an hour away from here. Well, Rusty is about as suburban as you can get. And he, you know, he's never, he had never taken an Uber before. He was like, what is this strange thing I've not heard of? And so uh, he, he said, okay, so we get in the Uber, and there's, uh, like, the Uber driver is just basically sort of like a, maybe a 40-ish or almost 40-ish mom. She's driving her SUV. She had little mints in the car. It was awesome. Uh, and so we start the, the, the normal conversation. And uh, she says, hey, where are you guys from? What are you doing? All so we told her where we're from. And uh, one of the other guys said, where are you from? And she said, well, my favorite team is the Broncos. And so, of course, we said, oh, you're uh, from Colorado. She goes, I'm from Denver. Well, at that point, Rusty chimes in. He's not much into small talk. First thing he says is, my son was circumcised at the 16th Street Mall in Denver. So that, you know, small talk is not his gift. I, gotta, I just got to tell you that. And so he realizes he said something. By the way, he's telling this story in his own church this morning. Uh, he realized that maybe he didn't say the right thing. And so he tries to recover and only makes it worse. He said, yeah, we were broke at the time and we wanted our son circumcised. So I looked on Craigslist. <laughs> No, I, I could not make this up. This, I couldn't even make up the story. And, and he goes, and we found this guy who would do it real cheap in a jewelry store at the mall. It was a rabbi. He was using something that looked like a cigar cutter or something. And, yeah, yeah, don't think about that. And uh, so literally, I mean, the, the lady, she just, the radio's on. She turns it up really loud. And then we, we uh, you know, she drops us off and she says, God bless you, never come to my Uber again. And so, uh, so it was one of those situations. Awkward. We don't want to live our life awkward. By the way, that trip got worse than that because on the way back, these guys who I was traveling with, uh, they, you know, they knew it was my birthday. I don't know who booked my travel, but I got the best seat. It was, you, don't you love it when you get the middle seat? And I got the coveted middle seat in the back of the plane right next to the bathroom. So not only did it feel bad, it smelt bad. And so that's where uh, I was sitting. But then I hear this uh, flight attendant, sort of a, a gregarious, flamboyant kind of guy. And he, uh, he's talking to the other flight attendants. And he's calling right now even. And so uh, <laughs> and uh, he's talking to the other flight attendants. And he goes, this is going to be great. 
we're going to sing happy birthday. Get the whole plane. And they said, what is his name? They said, his name is Pastor Ben. <laughs> okay. A little piece of me died. Actually, a big piece of me died at that moment. And so I said, uh, excuse me, sir, can you help me? He goes, yeah. I said, well, I'm actually Pastor Ben. And he goes, that's great. I said, you want to give me a birthday present? He says, yes. I said, don't sing. <laughs> so I, it took a lot of convincing to get him not to sing. Well, so, so we're taking the tram. We're at one of the far-out uh, gates, and so we're taking the tram, and then we're going up the escalator. A couple people uh, say to me, hey, see you, Ben. Happy birthday. He can no longer contain himself, him and the other flight attendants, and he gets a group around him. So now it's not singing happy birthday in the middle of the plane. In the middle of the airport, they break out into song. <laughs> can I tell you how glad I am to be back here this week? You know, for, for me, I, I, don't, uh, I don't really like those situations. But when we have our whole career based in something that's not us, I see parents do this all the time. We'll say, hey, our kid, this is a good field. It'll make a lot of money. But it's not them. Some of you are, you know, you're more of a, uh, a design kind of person. You love art and all of that. You're not a math person. You're like me. Once they introduced the alphabet, they lost you in math. And so you're like... You need to be in something that connects. And you know what else it'll do? It'll deepen satisfaction. You were made to contribute. And uh, not, it's not just for money. Money is a great thing. In fact, I, I've said this before. Christians, I believe, if you're a Christ follower, should be the most productive people at work. And because that's what God calls you to do apart from the money. And yeah, if you're the most productive, you're going to get promotions and pay raises. And those are awesome things. But you're also going to find a deep satisfaction in your soul. Another thing it does is it builds confidence. When you understand uh, your why, then you're going to understand the way that God has called you to. In fact, uh, Mark Twain, he said this, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born. The second most important day is the day that you understand why. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared us in advance to do. And yes, that's talking about our faith life, but our faith life is not to be separated from our work life. In fact, there's a, a book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. Now, I, I said, we're going to spend most of our time there this week and next week. It's written by Solomon, who was the third king of Israel. He was the, the wisest person that ever lived. He had uh, more success than the other kings of Israel ever had. But yet he was, he was really depressed because he had it all, but it, didn't, it wasn't enough for him anymore. And in fact, if you read in uh, Ecclesiastes, sort of a, you, you'll get the tenor of, of his life, Ecclesiastes 2.17. He says, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me, all of it meaningless. A chasing after the wind. See, he, he didn't find any purpose. In fact, he goes through the book of Ecclesiastes and he said, I gave myself to every pleasure. Everything I wanted to do, I, I did. But it wasn't enough. And if you read that book, you'll find there's three themes. He said, you know what really matters? Is that faithfulness to God, the relationships that we engage with other people. And he includes a third one. And that's understanding purpose and finding some satisfaction in work. 
And you might be at a transition and it's a good one. It could be a bad one. I've talked to people too who are in those. And these are six questions based on the book of Ecclesiastes that I think can guide us as we move forward in our life and in our faith, Uh, but especially as it comes to our work. The first question is this, what am I passionate about? Passion is a great energizer. Uh, In fact, you'll hear there's there's no such thing as a low energy person. There's just a low passion person. I've talked to people who, when it comes to work, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's a horrible job. Uh, the boss is mean and the work is bad. And then they get a new job and the ba- what boss is mean and the work is bad. And then I talk to them about Minecraft or something like that. And they're like, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a video game and you get to build your own world. And they're like, oh, but my, you should see, I'm building my own world. It's great. And they all of a sudden, they're animated. You know, the only problem is they don't write paychecks in that world. And so you need your passion to connect with something that'll actually produce in your life. Again, uh, Solomon wrote this, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too is from the hand of God. A person with passion always stands out. A person with passion will always be the one who's promoted. So it's important to find our passion. But here's another thing we need to ask. We need to ask this question as well, is what do I do well? Because there are things that you might be passionate about but aren't good at. Any of you remember American Idol? You know? Yeah. Some of those people, all they needed was a good friend and say, no, don't do it. Our passion has to be connected to our gifts. The Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about we're going to be different. We're going to have different gifts. What are the gifts that I have, and how do I employ those for God's purposes? Proverbs 22, 29, also written by Solomon, he says, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. You know what he's saying? If someone's good at their work, if they're passionate about it, they're going to find incredible success in it. Now, success uh, includes a lot of things. Money is part of it. Yeah, promotions are part of it. But also that God piece is a big part of it too, isn't it? As well as family. And so in the first week, we talked about a 360 success. The success that's all around. Well, you might be in a point of transition. You're sort of saying, hey, Ben, uh, I'm wondering what my next step is. And so each week, we've talked to uh, business leaders uh, in the church. I've done some interviews. We're gonna do, i got to have a great one next week as well. And this week, I want you uh, to hear from someone who's, uh, she was the uh, president of Possible, a, a web marketing agency, a couple hundred people downtown Seattle, and now she works for the big parent company as the global talent uh, director. And so in her position, she deals with a lot of people who are in transition. And I thought uh, getting her take would be helpful as we're in this message and in this series. So take a look at this. Today I'm talking to Martha Highfield, who her and uh, her husband John uh, really were some of the first friends we made here at Timberlake Church. And Martha works as the global talent director for Possible. One of the secrets, this is probably the best kept secret you have, is your pastor's gift, right? Yes, a PK. Okay. Um, My father's a pastor, but also my mom was a teacher. 
So I think that's a big part of who I am today in realizing that, that um, selfless or kind of service to others um, has definitely impacted um, my own, obviously, characteristics, but also even influenced um, who I am. So tell me about uh, your, your work life, what that's looked like for you, sort of your first jobs, how you ended up uh, at the company you're at now. <laughs> yes. Um, I've had a variety of, from fresh out of school, um, working at radio stations, from that led into um, the creative agency or the advertising agency. And so my whole 20 plus years career has been in digital. The key theme has always been about relationships and people. Now, uh, the company before that, it, it was Zaz and it turned into Possible. Zaz, yes. Zaz, okay. <laughs> yeah. and, but, but you didn't start out in that role. What was the role you started out in? I was the senior producer, which at that time really was um, the direct point of contact with clients. Microsoft, uh, National Geographic at that time, Converse, um, even today clients like Procter & Gamble and many others. But really, I was the point of contact with them. And so understanding their business needs and challenge, marketing challenges and then managing the team and the relationships to do great work. I think it's you know what you mentioned last week in the message around show your worth. I think there were times definitely where I had to work really hard um, and bring my whole self to work and make sure that I was performing at the level um, that I needed to. And at the same time, there's times where I had to speak up and make an ask that I was ready maybe for a change. I've had five or six different roles in my career, 18 years there. Um, that I'm really proud of and it was often those times where I had to say you know I have a passion about people or I have a I see a business need or a client need let's create this role and so I think I'm definitely a testament to that. If you're seeing someone who's like looking for their uh, you know they're not sure about their fit in a job that's good but they're they're wondering what's next. Yeah I think finding um, what you're passionate about is really important. So I encourage whether you're in a role today that you're doing a great job and at the same time there's probably opportunities. It might mean a promotion. It could mean move to a different role. It could mean take on a special project um, within your company and don't be afraid to ask for that but tie it to the business need and how your um, personal passions align. There might be some people who find themselves uh, in transition. You hire a lot of people and so uh, what are the things that you're looking for in someone? There's usually three areas that we look for in someone. One is the competencies or the skills. Do they have the skills to do the job? Second is around the communication or consultant. No matter what position you're in in the company, if you're client facing as an account lead or whether you're a creative director, we want to be business advisors to our clients um, in their marketing needs. And then third is culture fit, um, which is often sometimes a hard one to fill or find, be, but it's so much around, you know, will this person fit within that client we're working for, or will this person fit within the team? So when you're talking about culture, what are the, the character traits? Um, I think there's a level of um, empathy. There's, we talk a lot about emotional intelligence. We want to find people that are highly skilled in the, what they do. If it's a developer, um, is there empathy? Can they self-regulate? Um, what are some of those things? One of my favorite verses, you know, growing up, but also to this day, is Philippians 4:13. Mm -hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I think that also is a, a big part of, you know, in the tough situations, how I handle myself definitely helped me get through um, some of those challenging moments and times. As you're leading in business, you come from people from every religious background or no religious background or Christian or maybe anti that. And so how do you navigate 
that w workplace with just all sorts of different people. Since I was little, I've always prayed that God will show himself through me in some way. And so that's just how I try to live, but also in how I try to, there's a great quote um, that says, people won't remember what you said or did, but how you made them feel. And so that's just my perspective. You gotta love what you do. We spend too much time um, at work. And so I think making sure that you absolutely love what you do and the passion's there um, so that it's not just a paycheck. Uh, you found some time to connect uh, in community. So why was that uh, important for you? I think at that time in our relationship um, with God, but also each other, and even in a big church, it's really important to connect. And coming here, you, it's easy to come in, you see a few people and say hello, but until you really, um, for us, when we connected in a growth group, we'd met some of our closest friends that have actually been with us through a lot of things in life. And so I think that moment is when we said, okay, this is important to us. So maybe you uh, find yourself in one of those situations. And the first two questions are really, well, you'd probably find uh, any executive coach telling you. Uh, but if you say, I've said yes to Jesus Christ, there's an important question to ask yourself as well. And that's, is there a direction that God is leading me? Is there a direction that God's leading me that uh, maybe may not make sense to other people, but I know it's what God would want me to do? It says this in Ecclesiastes again. He says, I know that there's nothing better for people to be happy and do good while they live. Now, when he's talking about do good, it's not just do good things. For him, Solomon, it would always be the God thing. Is there a God thing that God is calling me to do? And then a fourth question is this. What will be best for my family? Uh, what is the thing that will be best for my family? Now, as a pastor, you might say, hey, uh, you know, you do, how does that intersect with your family, what you do? Well, uh, in my life in ministry, there was an important change point. I had, I was pastoring a church uh, in Santa Barbara, and as I was pastoring, it was a great experience. Uh, the church started to, to grow rapidly. People were great and serving and, and, and very generous and giving, and we had outgrown our facility. We were having to build another facility. One church was looking at, at possibly giving us their property, and so it, it looked like in the ministry world, everything was going great. And uh, Santa Barbara is not known as the Bible Belt of America. If you haven't been there, uh, it maybe has beat only uh, Seattle area. has been very, sort of not very religious, especially when it comes to anything involved with Christianity. Well, as, as I was pastoring that church there, uh, it had gotten uh, to a point we were uh, expanding and having to do all these things. Uh, but everything was going well except for my family. Uh, I was away from my kids a lot, uh, from my wife. Uh, I knew it wasn't going well because I sensed the Lord telling me that. And my wife Terry told me that too, just in case I hadn't heard uh, from the Lord. And so when you're, it was just one of those moments. It was a good thing. And we were definitely there. It went from a, a church I was nearly dead to growing still today, good church. Uh, and then a buddy of mine called me up uh, at a church where I uh, became the co-senior pastor, didn't start out in that position. Uh, started out as an executive pastor, sort of number two guy. That church had actually been in decline. And he said, hey, would you help, help me out for a couple years? 
And as I thought about that, there was not only an opportunity to do God's work, but a good work for my family. Uh, I wouldn't have to uh, speak. I'd only speak half the time, half the weekends. And I'd be in a role that would work a little bit better. And I served there for seven years when my kids were at an age that I will never regret because I was able to be there with them in a way that I hadn't before. And by the way, when I made that change, there were people who were really unhappy. I was in a denomination at the time. Denomination executive was very unhappy with me because it was one of the few churches that was growing rapidly, and here I was going to leave. There was a pastor in town who said, you know, I totally wasn't listening to God. Interestingly enough, that next season was even a greater season than the one we were in. We were at a church that went from about 900 people to over 5,000 on a weekend. And it was also a season when I was able to be there for my family until uh, I came up here to be the senior pastor at Timberlake. And that I, I don't regret that. Now, this season is way different than that. In fact, uh, I have two daughters, one in college, one in high school. My daughter is senior in high school. My wife is now working at a local tech company, and so I want to be there for my daughter as she gets home from school, until, right up until the point my daughter told me, Dad, I love my alone time at home. <laughs> and, and so, hey, I'm free for lunch. I got all the time on my hand now. It, and so now I'm leaning in in a different way, and was that the right thing then? Absolutely. Is this the right thing now? Absolutely. You have to ask yourself, what's best for your family? I love what uh, the wisdom that we get in Ecclesiastes 4, 6 through 8. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless and miserable business. So what he's describing there is someone who gave it all but didn't have it all because they either didn't have or maybe lost their family along the way. Okay, now I'm going to say something that will sound like I'm contradicting myself. There are other times when you are called to lean in for your family. In fact, there's a verse that's in the Bible, but not in your outline. 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, if a person does not provide for his family, he is denied the faith. A buddy of mine, when I pastored in Santa Barbara, uh, he had been a sort of a sports physical therapist, uh, you know, a trainer kind of person, loved what he did. He had, they'd had a beautiful little baby, and... Uh, and then, I think it was like 11 months later or something, I don't even know how you have kids this quickie, quickly, they had another baby, but not one, they had quadruplets. So now they have five kids, mom's not getting a job outside the home. Uh, and he has this job he loves, he went to college for, but it's not going to provide for his family in the way that it needs, because he's going to be the sole provider. There's no rich uncle. There is nothing. Well, he had had this painting business before, and so he gave up his job, went back in the painting business, literally made th three and a half times his salary as he made uh, before working as a sports therapist. 
And he's one of my heroes because he said, I love this, but my family needs this right now. And I don't know where on the spectrum God is speaking to you. Whether it's time, hey, you need to lean in your job, and and you need to lean into it hard, hopefully get a promotion. There's some financial needs that not only for your family, maybe God has a plan. He wants you to invest in his kingdom work. Others of us, it's like, hey, this is a season to step back, and they'll be different. I mean, you think about the Bible. There's a story in the Bible of this lady named Ruth. Uh, She was a widow. Uh, all the men in the family had died. They had, they had, there was a famine in the land. They had uh, been in Moab, and they were going back to Israel. And so they had, she had no prospects, no future. And you know what she does? She gets a job where she basically is picking up the leftovers from the harvest in the field. Do you think that was an exciting job? Was that a glamorous job? Not at all. She did it because she needed to do it at that moment. It's not what she ended up doing. In fact, she, uh, Boaz, who owned the field, noticed her, uh, gave her a little help out, and then he noticed her again, dated her, ended up getting married. And then they had a son, and the son's name was Obed, and his son's name was Jesse, and his son's name was David, and his son's name was Solomon, who wrote what we're reading today. And he knew, I don't know what it would have been, his great-great-grandmother He saw the value of her work and how it was a a blessing. And and parenthetically, uh, if you're a single woman, you might want to consider becoming a farmer. The, uh, <laughs> to find a godly, wealthy man. So now the, uh, <laughs> that's not really the point there, but... Uh, <laughs> We all need a commercial break every once in a while. So, here's what I'm saying. What is best for my family is an important question to ask. And it's connected to this question. What season am I in? What season of life am I in? Am I in my career building season? Uh, I talk to people who say, yeah, I'll get to it someday. And they wait too late. And honestly, you know, it's, it's... you know, fine to, uh, you know, sort of hang out and play around for a while, but you don't want to miss those years when you can do well in your work. Maybe you're in a season to, to take a step back, to say, you know what, I'm not going to go for this promotion right now because it wouldn't be best for my family. Or maybe you're in a season where you're saying, you know what, things are going well, I'm going to lean in. There is a time for everything, Solomon said, and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then uh, number six, ask this question, where can I make the greatest impact? Where can I look back at my life and say, I've made a difference, I've made a difference for my family, I've made a difference for God. In fact, it's that that the Apostle Paul is referring to when he says, be careful then uh, then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He's he's saying, I want to make an impact today. Be wise in how you do that in your life. In Ecclesiastes, though, it's not just about us. It's just not just about our work. It's ultimately about eternal things. Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. 
he had gone and he started this and he said, everything's meaningless, everything's meaningless. But he ends up in this place where he says, no, there are things that are eternal. And God has put that in our hearts. And someone's got to communicate that. And that's you and that's me. If you say maybe, if you're a Christ follower, if you're not yet, of course, that's, that's not going to be on the agenda for you. I remember I was having uh, one of those, you ever have one of those weeks that doesn't go well? Even as a pastor, I have uh, those weeks. I won't tell you which one of you caused it, but I was having uh, one of those bad weeks. And I was down, actually it was another time I was down in California, I talked to this uh, guy uh, named Armando. Uh, he came up to me, I was uh, at this conference, and, and he came up to me afterwards, and he said, hey, uh, I don't know if you remember me, I went to your church in California, and he said, do you remember the sermon you preached on the Ten Commandments on don't take the Lord's name in vain about 13 years ago? I said, brother, I can't tell you what I preached on last week. <laughs> and so uh, he said, well, you told, and he told me about the sermon, which is great, because like I could preach it again, because I don't remember it. And uh, he said, he said, you talked about how people who say, uh, God told me to tell you, and if that's not from God, they're actually taking, the, they're abusing the Lord's name and taking the Lord's name in vain. And he said, that was meaningful to me because I'd come to church. He said, I'd stopped going to church. I really wasn't following God. wasn't sure I believed in God anymore because I grew up in this church where people sort of would do that and they'd be manipulative. And he said, I don't want any part of God if God's like that. And he said, you know, that one day that God used you. And he said, now I'm, he said, I'm following Jesus. I actually pastor this church now. And uh, he was describing of what had happened. And I just said, God, thank you for that glimpse. Because there are going to be bad days and bad moments. Every day is not going to be a wonderful day. But there should be those days where you say, God, I understand in this place, during this season, I'm living according to your purpose. And you'll never have more joy than when you go and you live your whole life that way. Now, it may be for you a job that you have. It may be uh, just who you are in a place you volunteer. I want to end with this final story. Uh, John Maxwell, many of you in the business world, you've heard him because he consults with so many Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies in leadership development, speaks all over the world. Well, he, uh, he started out his ministry. He was a pastor, and then he went more in the business world. And uh, his father, at 90 years old, had lost... Uh, well, his mom had died. They'd been married 66 years, and his father's 90 years old, and so it, he needed to go into an assisted living uh, community at that time. And, uh, his, you know, there's having some of, the, some of the health issues and all of that. And there was a new one being built, and his dad said to him, I want to be one of the first people in there. And he goes, what? He goes, yeah, I want to be one of the first people in this community. And then he said, son, because let me tell you, this place is going to have a lot of old people there. <laughs> He's 90 years old. And uh, he said, and there, a lot of them will have lost a loved one. They're going to be alone. They're going to be afraid. And he said, and I want to be the first one when they walk through the door. And I'm going to say, hey, my name is Ray. You and I are going to be great friends. This is going to be wonderful here. And that's what he did. This was his ministry. He started at 90 years old. 
and it changed so many people's lives. In fact, in those kind of places, they don't have church services. A lot of people can't get out to church services. So he started holding a church service at the assisted living center, and they, it, so many people showed up, they had to go to two services. <laughs> because he said, God, what do you want me to do? What am I good at? What am I passionate about? Where can I make a big difference? Think about that. At 90 years old, he's having incredible impact and in finding incredible joy. And whether it's 29 or 90, I believe that God wants that for you. God didn't end his plan when it came to salvation. It wasn't just, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll cover the sin problem and that'll be it. God wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. But it starts, it starts with inviting them into our lives. Maybe you're here and you say, Ben, hey, I appreciate the, the work advice and that, that was good and helpful. But the best advice I could give you is to say, allow God to be front and center in your life. Because no matter what your success or failure has been, there's been one work that was done perfectly, and that was the work of Jesus Christ as he went to the cross, that we would be forgiven, that he would pay the price for our sins, and we could have a relationship with him that can define everything, even in even your work life. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every person here, and God, I pray that uh, you would help my friends uh, who really, when it comes to their work life, they're struggling. And God, maybe there's, uh, this is just a time to be open, uh, open to you, open to some new wisdom, that we would humble ourselves before you and we would hear your voice. And that we would not lead with our own answers, but God, listen for yours. And God, there's many of us that we would uh, look at our lives and we would say it not out of pride, but out of a sense of gratitude and humility. We are blessed. We're blessed by how you've designed us and you've taken our gifts and passions. And God, we feel like we're making a difference and thank you for that. God, I also pray for my friends who are here today and, and they might feel that distance from you. They have that want to, to know you. But there's that sense of, I don't have that kind of relationship with God, uh, but I'd like to. And if you have that, that want to in your heart, you know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that faith building up inside of you. And God will take that faith and he will change not only this life, but your eternity. If you're here today and you say, Ben, I want that relationship with God, then I want you to pray with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray out loud. You pray silently. I'm not going to embarrass you. I, I wouldn't do it for the world. But, but you'd say something like this to God in your own heart. God, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for your plan for my life. And God, I want to live according to that plan. And I know that part of that plan is, is my decision in this moment, in this place, to say yes to you as my God, as, as my Lord, as the forgiver of my sins. God, I, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sins. God, that I can be forgiven, that I don't need to, to move forward with guilt, but I can move forward based on your grace. And so, God, I, I, I receive that today. And I want to follow you 
every day of my life. I don't know everything that'll mean, but God, I know your way is best. And so I invite you, I invite Jesus into my heart and into my life. And the scripture says when we make that decision, uh, that that is an amazing life changer. And that is a, a, a personal decision, but that, that decision is not meant to be a private one. And so I encourage you to take one more step. Again, I'm not going to have you come forward or, uh, or raise your hand, but just with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed. If you, if you say, Ben, you know, I prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus, uh, then I would encourage you to go public, and, but just let me be your public in this way, with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed. But if you, if you prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus today, would you simply look up at me? I'm going to look to my right and uh, your left. You just let your eyes meet mine. That's great. Okay. Anyone else in that? All right. In the center section too. All right. Way to go. Way to go. All right. And up in the balcony. Okay. And over on my left. God, I just thank you. Thank you for my friends who are making this decision today. God, I pray that they would find you faithful in every aspect of life. And God, that we would know because you've done that, this work in our life, that we can move forward with passion, with confidence, with joy. And I pray that for my friends today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.